Welcome to The Lawyerist Podcast, a series of conversations about law practice. Each week, we talk with legal entrepreneurs and innovators about building a successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. And now, here are your hosts. Hi, I'm Sam Glover. And I'm Stephanie Everett, and this is episode 246 of the Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, we're talking with Justine Nickel about growing from a solo practice to a small firm and how she's begun tracking key performance indicators to help the firm succeed. Today's podcast is brought to you by Back Office Betty's, SaneBox, Alert Communications, and Ross Intelligence. We wouldn't be able to do this show without their support, so stay tuned. We'll tell you more about them later on. Hey, Sam, we're headed to Clio next week. I know, San Diego. I can't wait. Yeah, I hope it's much better weather than it's become in Minnesota. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the weather and seeing everybody and all the fun. For sure. And we're going to hang out and we're going to invite everyone who's listening to join us. <laughs> yeah, if you are going to be around on Sunday evening at 5 p.m., you should head a short walk from the conference hotel to Buster's Beach House. And we're just going to have an informal get together for Lawyerist Insiders, which is probably almost everyone listening to this podcast. But if not, you can fix that right away. So do people have to register for that, Stephanie? It'd be great if you go to the Facebook group and tell me you're coming or send me a message just so I have a roundabout idea. But we're going to do this super low key. So feel free to just wander over and come say hi, give us a hug and we'll have a beverage. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. And as an FYI, affinity benefits are now available to all insiders. We've talked about it briefly before, but I just want to remind you, go to the website, click on community and then insider so that you can see a list of all of our affinity partners and go down the list and claim your benefits for any of the products or services that you use or that you're interested in using. You might as well save some money and we can help with that. So log into the website and you'll see that list and you can claim those benefits. Yeah, I love it. We're helping you save money. So just go do it. And now we've got a brief sponsored conversation with Emily LaRouche from Back Office Betty's and then my conversation with Justy Nickel. I'm Emily LaRouche, founder and CEO of Back Office Betty's virtual receptionist serving lawyers across the U.S. Hi, Emily. Welcome back. Now, Back Office Betty's has been doing some surveying about how law firms answer their phone and how consumers think about phone answering. So maybe you could give us a summary of what you've learned. We have. Um, so what we found is that 41% of the people we surveyed, and these were all small firms, did not answer the phone at all when we called. As in I call and I get an answering machine. Exactly. Hmm. Straight to voicemail, didn't answer, ring and ring, and then an answering machine. Hmm. Okay. What else you got? So 25% of the people who did answer failed to brand themselves by even saying which law firm we were calling. They would answer, you know, law office or hello. Some people I couldn't believe actually answered the phone. Hello. <laughs> I guess maybe that's friendlier than law office, but... Yeah. Point taken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even our people who, you know, we're in the telephone business for like, I wasn't sure I got a business. <laughs> right. <laughs> so what else did you find by looking at consumer attitudes about call centers? They're just looking into kind of some of the statistics. 80% of people don't trust overseas call centers. And I really started thinking about that. You know, what is it that causes us not to trust? And is it really because they're in overseas? The fact that someone is in California or Nevada versus overseas. Or the front office, right? Exactly. It does not make a difference. So I thought we should take that word overseas out and say 80% of people don't trust that disconnect. Have you had that experience where you call? 
call someone for customer service and you just feel like this person has no ability to help you. Yeah. And they have no idea what's going on with that business. Yeah. I totally get what you're talking about. So I'm going to change the statistic a little and say 80% of people don't trust when they get an agent who is obviously disconnected from the company they're calling. That makes sense. But I mean, clearly firms need to do better than not answering the phone at all and could probably do better than not even introducing themselves. How do you do that while avoiding the feeling of disconnection between your receptionist and your firm? So it's important that if you have someone internally answering, there's a few things that they can do to make sure that they're connecting with people. And if you're using a service, well, let's make sure that they're doing the same thing. There's no reason that a service should feel different than the person sitting at that front desk. So Mm. starting with the pleasant greeting. And then the key is listen to what the caller needs and you can still get the information that you need to get, even if it's a list of questions, without peppering someone with a list of questions. You can do it in a conversational tone that says, I hear you, I understand what you need, and then explaining how you're going to help. Very cool. Now, you are offering a free quality assessment for law firms so that they can figure out how they could do a better job answering their own phones. What will that involve? So if you visit our website, it's backofficebetties.com forward slash scoop, and we have a short little form. Give us your information. We'll call your law firm and do an intake for either a new client or an existing client call. And we'll give you a grade just like we grade our own internal employees. And that always comes with a letter grade, A through F on the quality of the call, and then some suggestions on how it could have been perfect. I love that. It's one of the things that I recommend to law firms all the time is to do sort of a secret shopper with their own phone number. So what a great offer. Listeners, that's backofficebetties.com scoop to get a free quality assessment of how you answer your law firm's phone and get a grade. So check it out. Thanks so much, Emily. Have a great one. Hi, my name's Justine Nickel. I am one of two partners at Nickel Gersh Law. Prior to that, I was solo at Nickel Law Offices. We do criminal defense work in Colorado. Um, I also am a mom to a two and a half year old, three dogs, an office cat, and an office horse. How does the horse fit in the office? Oh, yeah. I take my earbuds on the trail and like <laughs> take consults while I'm going up the mountain. Oh, you bring the office to the horse, I see. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't really fit in my office, although <laughs> she could probably walk in here. I have images of Pippi Longstocking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. And yeah, I own a a second property management company, practice law mostly Tuesdays through Friday so that I can uh, stay home and be a mom on Mondays. Very cool. And I believe you could kick all of our asses at the same time in martial arts. No, volleyball. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I knew I was going to ask about volleyball, but I could have sworn you also did martial arts. No, no. Jen, my law partner, teaches yoga. Oh, well, you don't have any connection to martial arts. Still probably tough enough to kick all our asses. That's all right. (laughs) Well, Justy, welcome to the podcast. I'm curious, for starters, your firm is criminal defense, and it has been, I believe, since you left prosecution to start your own firm, right? Yes. Yeah. I've dabbled a little bit in real estate when I first went out on my own because I had to get my broker's license for my second company. Mm -hmm. All I do at this point with real estate is I'm a property manager, and we own our own property management company for commercial real estate that we also own and manage. So we being you and your husband, my husband, yep. My husband's grandpa built large portion of Western part of Fort Collins, right across the street from CSU about 65 years ago. Gotcha. So we've kept it in family. I'm third generation. Hmm, Yeah. 
It's been fun. So the transition to being a two-owner firm is fairly recent. Jen joined you, what, about three months ago? Yeah, June 1st, we went live. So we've officially done a quarterly meeting now. Mm-hmm. And there's so much more to do. <laughs> I swear I was like expecting things to get checked off of our list. And all we did was add yeah. more things. Well, let's start with, I'm curious why. What, not Jen is great. Yes. But like, why did you decide to go from solo to duo? So we've known each other actually for like 15 years. We were in law school together. We were moot court partners in law school. I was doing okay solo, you know, like part-time law practice. I take what contracts I want. I take what cases I want, mostly criminal defense. And I had second chaired some major felony trials with her. So she and I knew, you know, we could litigate a case together for all eternity. But what became really apparent was her current partner and her just kind of had that moment in time where their paths diverged. Mm. Jen was trying to start a family. She is currently due with her first child in January. That's right. It's actually, I think, almost the exact same due date that I had when I had Logan Hmm. two and a half years ago. So she knew that I was able to basically run my firm in such a way that it runs without me constantly present. I basically shut down my firm for four months when I had Logan. Hmm. and came back stronger. Like I thought I was going to have a little bit of lead time to build back up and I hit the ground running like right away. So um, how to plan for maternity leave and support, you know, being female while practicing law, taking advantage of technology. She kind of had gotten a taste for all that when we were doing this big stalking trial together. And she looked around and went, Justy's doing something right. I would like to be a part of that. And so she came over and asked you know, first of the year or so. Oh, so it was her idea. It was her idea. <laughs> what do you think about joining forces? And everyone is like, don't go into business with a with a good friend. You'll you'll regret it. And I was mm-hmm. like, I wouldn't go into business with anybody but a good friend. <laughs> right. Like, A, she knows how weird I am. And <laughs> B, she still supports it. So yeah, it was her idea. And we got thinking about it, you know, like, how can we do this that makes sense with me having a small child and me still having, you know, the second company that I run. And so I think we'll talk about our compensation system to really, you know, get into that into the weeds a little bit later. But it was one of those things where I'm like, let's be flexible. Like, I'm never going to be like, we have to sign this many cases, or we have to do this, you know, like, let's do what makes sense for our clients and not just the bottom line is going to happen. Like, we'll make money doing this. If that's all you care about, I'm not the right partner for you. Let's do this holistic. Let's do this client-based and see where it goes. I really like the, you know, it's interesting when you put your constraints right out front, like we need to be able to leave and have kids and come back to the practice and things. When you put those constraints right out front, it really drives creativity and how you decide you're going to put things together. Yeah. And we have a team of contractors that we also work with. Another great friend from law school does our bookkeeping. Hmm. A paralegal that I stole from the DA's office has been with me on my own and now is supporting both of us. And Jen's mom actually just retired last week from nursing to be our legal assistant. Oh, cool. She's crushing. (laughs) She's amazing. So that's the good stuff, though. What's been really challenging about joining up your practices? Yeah, I think just learning how to relate to each other in a professional capacity has been different too. like Jen needed to realize that I was never going to come down hard on her about anything. Like, did it cost us money? Did it cost us time? Okay, well, we have time and money to use to trial and error things. 
So that, that was interesting. And then I've had to figure out how to like encourage her to get on the virtual bandwagon. Like we're completely, completely non brick and mortar. Like we're virtual. We go to our clients. But that wasn't the world that she came from. No. So very much traditional law practice. Like you have to have an address. Hmm. We still have paper files. And I was like, let me introduce you to this thing called Dropbox. <laughs> so yeah, like I've had to embrace more of like an IT personality. Like I am our IT help desk, yeah. which I never thought I would be that person, but <laughs> sure. And then I, you know, how to like, all right, do we need to meet in person for this? Can we do Zoom conference for this? Calendaring things for multiple people when it was just me and one person managing my calendar that wasn't me, like my paralegal, it wasn't as crazy. Now it's like, I swear, I look at my calendar in the morning and by the afternoon I have four more consults, which is a good problem to have, but also, right. oh my God. When do you find time for the other stuff? When do you find time <laughs> for the other stuff? So we've blocked time at different times. We've made it a commitment to meet in person. Uh, this brunch place down the street from my house is tired of hearing us talk about KPIs, but... <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think you've really highlighted the main thing, which is when you go from one to anything else, all of a sudden there's all of this extra management and relationship and HR and stuff that you have to do that you don't have to do when it's just you and making all the decisions, or at least that it's yeah. easy to ignore when it's just you. Yeah. And I think, so my undergrad's in accounting and hers is in marketing. So we have a good mix. So some good complementary skill sets. We have a good mix. The hardest part was we knew coming in that I was going to be more back office. Like I'm going to just gravitate right. more to the building the business side. I'm more entrepreneurial. I'm more, you know, like I wouldn't say organized, but just different organizational, you know, skill sets. And Jen is very much client facing. I love going to court. I love trying cases. Not that I don't love trying cases, but she like client service is like her baby. Mm -hmm. So, um, we had to figure out a way to work within the confines of what we're good at. Right. Well, that makes sense. And so we did an accountability chart with Stephanie's help, a lawyerist. Yeah. And we're tweaking that as we go and as we add team members. And so far, it's working for us very well. Now, if Jen could put pen to paper about a marketing plan, <laughs> we'll be even better. You'll get there. We'll get there. So can we get nerdy for a sec yes. in, in at least two ways? And at LabCon, I remember you mentioning that you use a Harry Potter style house cup system in your firm, but I'm not sure I understand exactly how you use it. So tell me what it is and what it's for and how it works. Yeah. So when we were trying to figure out how to do fair compensation, knowing that I have other commitments and Jen's coming in, you know, Know, with this is her only job. This is what she's going to do to, to make ends meet and plan. But she's also planning on taking time off right. right away, basically. Yes, exactly. We sat down and I did a bunch of reading on different compensation systems, you know, like eat what you kill, just flat 50-50. It was never going to work for us like that. Yeah. We wanted to be able to share the workload, both in terms of like doing the client work once you've signed the case, but also doing intakes. And so what we basically did was we set up categories one through nine on the different types of cases that we do. Felonies, misdemeanors, traffic cases, DUI cases, municipal cases, and various contracts that we both have. We basically said, if you bring in a case and you work it by yourself, you get greater props for that. Mm -hmm. And felonies should be worth more because they're higher paying than, you know, a municipal case or a traffic. But you're not necessarily doing this based on the revenue from that case. No. Oh. In fact, it's not tied to revenue. It's just case counts. 
Mm-hmm. We have the flexibility within a fee structure to quote whatever we want. And there are clients that we quote, you know, a pain in the ass fee, mm-hmm. uh, which is a little bit of a markup. And there are jurisdictions that get a little bit of a markup too. Like we travel sure. to our clients throughout a quarter of the state of Colorado. So we don't charge for travel time. Everything's flat fee. But we curate our flat fees within like, right. hey, what sounds fair as a starting point? And we sat down and did those at the beginning. Because you're not trying to come up with a perfect like match where your share of the salary is going to be related exactly to how much time and effort and value you bring in. You're just going for a rough thing that is easy to keep track of and seems fair. Yes. And then we also put in some more soft factors as like a 10th category So you get certain number of points to Gryffindor is what it is. Uh, It's five points to Gryffindor system. You get points for, you know, working cases, difficult cases solo, especially if you sign it and you work it all the way through by yourself. You should get credit for that. If there are difficult cases that end up going to trial, then you need me to work on it with you, Jen, or vice versa. I need her to work on it with me. We also get points for joint cases we've worked together. Do you like keep the measurements up on the wall or something? (laughs) They're part of our (laughs) KPIs. Okay. Case counts are part of our KPIs. And then, so basically at the end of the year, we tally up all of our case points. And then we add this 10th category, which is like extraordinary contributions to back office. Mm. So where I'm going to pull more weight, most likely. Extraordinary publicity. Extraordinary commitments to client work extraordinary, you know, like teamwork. Pretty much anything that feels like it needs extra recognition, it sounds like. Yep. And then we also have one that's a negative, you know, how many cases you've had to write off Mm -hmm. (laughs) and not been able to collect. But so you haven't gotten to the end of a year yet, obviously, but how does it seem to be working so far from month to month and week to week? What was crazy was we honestly thought when we started that Jen was going to have like twice as many cases as I did. Mm -hmm. We are even. Wow. We are full on even in the client work pipelines. We're still tweaking how we're doing intakes because I do take Mondays off. Jen's now going to take Fridays off. And then we're going to split the load during the middle of the week. She's going to take more early morning calls for intakes. I'm going to take more evening calls for intakes because I drop my son off at daycare and I'm usually not available until nine. Right. Whereas she's like, I'm so exhausted because I'm six months pregnant. By four o'clock, I don't want to talk to anybody. (laughs) I'm like... I got you. I got you in the evening. So we're, we're trading those things off. But case count wise, yeah, I kicked it into higher gear, actually saying, okay, I'm going to do this right from the first. But that being said, I'm getting extra points for doing things like recording the Lawyerous podcast. <laughs> Credit right here. I'm earning points right now. That's awesome. Yep. And those are by mutual design at the end. And so whatever the pro rata point difference is, that's how we're going to do our year end bonus. Gotcha. Very cool. And you can award the house cup. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> if listeners aren't Harry Potter fans, then I don't even know what to tell you. But I don't I don't know these people. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie just started reading it with her daughter. So she's new. She was holding off on purpose and I think because she thought it was a kid's book, but whatever. We have the big illustrated books that are the best. Yeah, they're like the two feet by like a foot yeah. wide. They're huge. So we have those to go with Logan through. Yeah. Very so cool. he's He's starting those probably next year. Well, we've got to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. And we come back, we're going to talk about KPIs, which you alluded to. But now we're going to get nerdy again. We'll be back. A legal-only call center, Alert Communications has been helping law firms and legal marketing agencies with new client intake for over 50 years. Alert responds to and captures all leads for your law firm efficiently using their highly trained intake specialists and software solutions. They work 24-7, 365 as an extension of your law firm in both English and Spanish. 
Alert strives to set best practice standards within the mass tort legal community by using ethical ideals, in turn elevating the quality of client services and earning the trust of attorneys. To find out how Alert can increase your mass tort or class action lead conversion rates, call 844-MY-INTAKE or find them at alertcommunications.com. With Ross Intelligence, lawyers conducting legal research leverage AI to get to the heart of legal issues fast. Ask a query in natural language on the Ross legal research platform, and Ross will return on-point case law. Attorney Jonathan Udoka says he's able to use Ross as though it were a first-year associate doing top-flight legal research. At $89 a month, Ross is not only fast and intuitive, it's also affordable. See what Ross can do. Go to rossintelligence.com lawyerist today and get a 14-day free trial. Use the promo code lawyerist for 10% off your first-year subscription. Longtime podcast listeners and lawyerist readers know that Sam and I get pretty excited about email productivity tips, but we know that most people don't have the time or energy to be email productivity nerds like us. So it's great that SameBox will take care of fixing your inbox for you. I've used SameBox for a while now, and it automatically organizes your incoming email into smart folders so you don't have to be overwhelmed by a busy inbox and don't have to see important client emails next to junky coupon offers, distracting you from the work you need to do. Best yet, SameBox learns with you, so if you find it puts something in the wrong folder, just move it, and SameBox will automatically learn your preference. It also has nifty features like Sane Black Hole, where you can drag messages from annoying senders you never want to hear from again. It's so simple, you won't need to learn anything to use it. It just takes care of everything itself. SaneBox works directly with every single email server or service that has ever been created, so it will definitely work for you. Get a free two-week trial and a $25 credit by visiting samebox.com slash lawyerist today. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash lawyerist. Okay, we're back. So, Justy, you have mentioned KPIs a few times. Those are key performance indicators. We've talked about that a few times on the podcast, but... I'm guessing that these appeal to you in particular because of your accounting background, but how did that come about? How did you come about to use them and select them and how do you use them and all that stuff? Let's dig in. Well, I mean, the easiest and fastest answer is we needed a way to award the five points to Gryffindor. <laughs> have the data. So were you not using them when you were just solo? I was not. Oh, okay. The hard part with being just solo, right, is like most lawyers are very smart and my memory is rather good. Mm-hmm. Like, I could tell you what was in my bank account at any given time. I I knew my conflict check database because I knew all my clients on a first name basis. You know, it was in my head. Yeah, that's true. There, there isn't the same urgency, which is like why the solo practice scorecard and the small firm scorecard are different. So, yeah. And it is very different, like living this life for the last couple of months and trying to plan for this. Oh God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like trying to get everything that's in my head out and on paper Oh, so that was what I worked on during lab. This last lab section was getting the KPIs out of my head and onto paper. We are in the process still of working through all of our building the KPIs, but we have all of our financial KPIs reporting and actually in a dashboard, um, which we're just using Excel right now. Mm hmm. And is that updated weekly or monthly or what? Monthly right now, because the financial reports we pull monthly. Gotcha. We do have some weekly things that I am looking at. One of those being, you know, our acuity is who we use for calendaring intakes. And we have a specific oh, type of Oh, so you can very intake. easily report like the number of intakes and stuff like that. Exactly. So I can track the ratio of intakes to signings. Mm-hmm. 
very easily. And we kind of keep an eye on those per week. We also are keeping an eye on like our leads when they're coming in, what the source is for those leads. And we mm. do that using Typeform. Gotcha. Yeah, I was looking at the front of your website and both of those things are just front and center there. So Yeah, I know. When we built our website, we did we built it with Blue Shark and they were like, well, we can just put this WordPress contact form in there. And I was like, no, 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 <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. you're going to work with my systems. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So we did the type form as step one, answer 10 questions about your case. And then we did step two, book a call with an, an attorney through Acuity. And it's pretty seamless. All of those things flow directly into our CRM, which is Copper, using Zapier. And then we also um, use Smith, who has access to both of those things as well for remote receptionists if somebody actually picks up the phone and calls. And it's, it's pretty even in terms of online, either phone calls or online forms. Yeah. What were the parts that you got hung up on in putting the KPIs together? Or was it just like finally prioritizing it, putting your head down and getting the work done? The hardest part was probably trying to figure out how to get the data from our existing systems because we don't have... A lot of people get hung up there. Yeah, we don't have Clio. You know, it's not like I can just generate a report. So we kind of actually started... I knew I wanted to get to the KPIs, but we actually backed up and started with vision and doing planning on... Mm -hmm you know, that sort of front, because that told me what we wanted to track. Your vision and your values tell you what's important. And then obviously you can drill right out of that into what you want to track. I didn't actually put that together. Like that was what was hanging me up originally Mm -hmm. was what do I want to track? And then how do you want to track it? I think before I answered the how question, I had to answer the what. Mm -hmm. And that was with like firm values, firm, firm culture and all that. One of the things we cared about was not overwhelming staff because everybody's contractors. They could leave tomorrow. And they're not bought in in the same way necessarily. And actually, it turns out they actually are. They're very committed and they would like to be full-time employees. We just can't (laughs) afford them yet. You'll get there. (laughs) Actually, I remember you saying that because you sent everybody home with homework, I think right after LabCon and around your vision planning. And you were very pleased that they came back to you and everyone more or less surfaced the same core set of values. And so it was really cool to hear that. Yeah, I think the biggest one that stuck with me was we treat every client as a VIP, but we don't sacrifice our souls for work either. And everyone agreed on that. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So yeah, the financial KPIs are the easy ones though. Mm -hmm. Everybody pretty much has the same ones, I assume. Yeah. AR, balance sheet, profit and loss, cash flows, And then we did do, with Aaron's suggestion, actual profitability analysis. Right. So that is a long-term one that is going to be in the red. This is where you actually figure out what your salary should be and subtract it from your profits. And not just our salaries, but all of our team as well. Gotcha. Yep. If we wanted to pay everybody full-time and bring everyone on the way we want to, because we're in a growth mindset. Yep. Two to three years from now, it's going to look very different than it does right now. And where do we have to go to get there? And when that starts turning the corner, then we got to start thinking about, okay, who are we bringing on for the next team member? Well, and that's really helpful for, for pulling your mindset out of the idea that breaking even just means balancing your profits and expenses because you are, you the lawyer and your staff are the biggest expense. And a lot of lawyers aren't paying themselves a salary and aren't thinking about it in that way. And it's hard to know if you're profitable until you actually take that into account. Yeah. And, that, and that's what the five points to Gryffindor system also mm-hmm. like feeds into this a little bit. We do pay ourselves a monthly salary and we do quarterly draws, which we're one month late on this quarterly draw because we had an extraordinary expenses last month. But we're doing quarterly draws just 50-50 mm-hmm. for simplicity's sake. 
And so at the end of the year, when we're looking at actual profitability, we're also looking at like savings Mm -hmm. and salary savings, maternity plan savings for Jen, paying contract employees to cover her stuff. That sort of stuff is all part of that actual profitability analysis too. Right. But the other ones we're tracking, you know, trying not to sacrifice our souls, our caseload numbers, total number of cases, one through nine categories, the number of cases we have set for trial. Should we be second chairing more with other younger, probably female attorneys? And are, are all of those numbers bookended where it's like, are we too high or too low? So that's the second step of our KPI mm-hmm. and plan is to really say, okay, yeah, is this in the right range? Where do we want to be? Are we too high or are we too low? The red or green or yellow that I think lawyerist does. <laughs> we don't have yeah. the red, green or yellow parameter. We do. We have red, green, yellow because it's easy. Although uh, one of the things we've noticed about doing red, green, yellow is that nobody is ever happy with yellow. Everybody wants to be green, even though green is meant to be like we're killing it. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. Some of the other more floofy things that we are tracking are like productivity The cases that we close, sometimes we have to close a case before we can get paid. How many networking events, referral sources that we are cultivating. We've got some KPIs that we're working on for client experience as well. Offboarding calls completed by the attorney, post-representation surveys are completed, our online review rate, and when and how we are collecting information about net promoter score. Have you had any light bulb moments as a result of collecting and tracking your KPIs? The net promoter score is interesting because we just started doing that with HeadNote. Mm -hmm. We use HeadNote yeah. and they just rolled that that feature out. I, you know, I was like, oh, my clients are doing great. They're making payments. Like things are awesome. I'm really great on, you know, client communication. And then we get a seven. And I'm like, <laughs> what the, f- what are you talking about? For listeners who don't know what Net Promoter Score is, it's probably easiest if you just go find it on Lawyerist, you know, Google Lawyerist Net Promoter Score, or you can find it under our client experience topic menu, but it's probably easiest. The short version is that a seven is neutral. It is not a promoter. And so if somebody loves you, they probably shouldn't be giving you a seven. So what they tell me <laughs> to my face is not what they're telling my payment. Maybe it's right. because it's, we're asking for it when, when they're making a payment. <laughs> oh, that, that could, I mean, it could be that, which is also good to know though. Like how do they feel about paying you is a pretty important piece of it. Right. Yeah. And when we're flat fee, so it's almost like you knew this up front. Like, why is this? Right. Thankfully, you know, what we can do is be pretty reactive. There are only two of us. And so what we implemented when we saw that was we need more client communication. We need Mm -hmm. people to feel like they're more invested in their case and know what to expect. So I actually set up a system that if a case is inactive for seven days or more, the attorney assigned to it gets a calendar reminder. Hey, your case is inactive for seven days. Go and touch this file and talk to your client. Which is such an underrated thing. But everyone, like, I remember feeling so annoyed, like clients checking in. And I could have held it all off by just a text message or an email or a phone call just saying, hey, just want to let you know nothing's going on right now. And then don't bill for that. You know, just a, just a periodic heads up. Yep, exactly. We're still waiting on discovery. We're waiting on the DA to review the mitigation. Oh, they still need to talk to the victim before they can give us an offer. It's a one sentence email. And we use Text Expander for a lot of it. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. So we we find ways to be as efficient as we can. But that was something that I was like, oh, I didn't expect that. Mm -hmm. We also use QuickBooks for our accounting and like trying to get QuickBooks to do all the reports that I want QuickBooks to do. I think we're finally there six weeks later. 
<laughs> yeah, it's one of those where the advice is always just use QuickBooks, but it's not intuitive or necessarily easy to get it working in the way that a law firm needs it to work. And I have an accounting degree. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I assume you've been using QuickBooks for years. <laughs> I remember taking QuickBooks class in undergrad. Mm-hmm. And it had changed, admittedly, a lot since then. But also, like, I can brute force you to do what I want in, like, a general journal entry and do this by hand QuickBooks. Why can you not do this for right. me? I think it's we're finally to a point where all of our systems are working. And it took about three, four months to get everyone on board. The hard part is trickle down messaging to make sure that when we're putting things in copper, you know, we're assigning a value because we do track dollar amounts, not just case numbers on each of these kinds of categories, but we track actual dollar amounts too. So like leads we're not signing What are some high value leads that we didn't sign and why? Because that's what you really need. It's very interesting to know that you're not getting as many, you know, conversions as you want. But the important thing is to be able to answer questions about why. Yeah. And one of the things that Jen's working on right now is the client experience thing. And so we're going to be reaching out to current clients, past clients and potential clients that did not sign with Mm -hmm. us to figure out, you know, why, because as much as we have it all up in our heads, once again, what's in your head may not be reality. (laughs) And it could be something as simple as we had this when we started. I thought you were in Fort Collins. I live in Colorado Springs. And we're like, no, no, we take cases from Colorado Springs to Nebraska and Wyoming. If you look at a map of Colorado, Mm -hmm. it's a large swath of the state. But they see our brick and mortar address, which we're very rarely at. And folks are just like, oh, yeah, no, I loved you. Your consult was great. Your rates were spot on. We just thought that you were too far out of our area. In which case you change your messaging, you change your your website. You There are things that you can do to prevent that from happening, right? Exactly. Yeah. So trying to get the content with Blue Shark, right? Like, don't just do Google local SEO for this one location. That's not going to work for us. Mm-hmm. And I, it's my pet peeve to go to a networking event and have name tags pre-printed yep. with where you are geographically. And like modern law practice is freaking everywhere. Like, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I also hate that because they always make my name Samuel J. Glover and I hate seeing that on a name tag. <laughs> Good luck with my name. If you can spell Justine Nickel the right way, yeah, you're doing something right. 10 points to Gryffindor. 10 points to Gryffindor. (laughs) Probably internet stalked me. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming. Thanks for talking us through KPIs. And I hope we'll see you at a future LabCon. I'm sure we will. Yeah, let's uh, Let's let's, meet up in Atlanta. Yeah, exactly. Let's get the bun out of the oven for Jen. Make sure everything goes good there. And then I can book my ticket to Atlanta in the spring. Very cool. Thank you so much, Justine. Thank you, Sam. I really enjoyed it. Are you interested in implementing the ideas you've heard on today's podcast into your law firm? Could you use a little help? Hey guys, it's Stephanie, the VP of Community Success here at Lawyers, and I'd love to help you tackle your business or take it to the next level. Head over to go.lawyerist.com backslash start to sign up for a quick call with me, and let's talk about how Lawyerist can help you create your best law firm. Make sure to catch next week's episode of The Lawyerist Podcast by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast app. And please leave a rating to help other people find our show. 
You can find the notes for today's episode on lawyerist.com slash podcast. The Lawyerist podcast is produced with help from Lindsay Calhoun and edited by Paul Fisher. The views expressed by the participants are their own and are not endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you. Oh,